0: Well, good morning, sound really loud, good morning, is it a good morning, yeah, it's a beautiful morning, we were praying last week about this day that it would be sunny because we knew we were going to be at Hootenanny and a rainy Hootenanny is, as you know, not very Hootenanny-ish, is it? So we're really glad. It's sun and it's a beautiful morning. Um, this is, we're, we're calling this our relaunch. And if you look around, maybe you were hoping there'd be balloons again and a big cake like we had at our launch. But um, we weren't really going to do all that again this soon. Maybe at the year mark we'll have a big cake or something. But, um, but really the, the idea today, and we're going to go to Hootenanny and celebrate, but the idea is that um, we are celebrating. We are saying that... Um, that there's great things happening. And so, um, you know, what are those things? If we were going to say, well, what are the great things happening? As we work hard and then we think about, you know, what, what's the celebration about? What are we celebrating? A few things for me that I, I would be celebrating when people say, you know, what's good happening at Jubilee over there, you know? And I run into different people and they say that. I, I like to, to tell them about our baptisms. That was really exciting to me that we could, in our first few months after launch, that we would be able to have baptisms. And we went out to Alouette Lake, and we baptized people, and we got to yell into the shore as everyone on the crowded beach got to hear the good news. And uh, we celebrated. We had baptisms. That was really exciting. Three different people. And uh, two more people came in through our baptism class and are hoping to get baptized, you know, when they're ready. And that's really exciting to me. So baptisms are exciting. Kids camp, that was exciting to me. That we could, in the first few months— hold a kids camp here. And kids camp, it was awesome. It was way better than, than I thought it was going to be. So let me just tell you that. So the vision I had for it was down here probably with my energy level at that point in July. But uh, we had awesome people. We had Matt come and lead it for us. And we had Cross Ridge in, in Cloverdale give us a bunch of their stuff and their sets so we could hold a really awesome kids, kids camp. And we had 35 kids come through here and sing and dance and have a great time and, and go through all the awesome stations and be loved by lots of people here who are serving and also hear good news, this incredible news that Jesus loves them. And that was really exciting for us. So another thing I'm celebrating is giving. Your giving and also our giving. So we, I like to celebrate this. I think this is really awesome that we as a group— can give more and in more awesome ways than just you as an individual. And so I like that that's one of the things the church does. That as we give together, that we're able then to go and to give. So maybe I can't give $2,000 to someone, but maybe it's $20 or $100 or something. But together we can do that. And we get to, as Jubilee, go and blow people's socks off. When we go and we say, hey, we want to give into that. And we get to do that in the community. We, get to, we got to help out a family, a mother in need who, you know, had some needs we got to go and give to her and help her out. And so those, those are the things we're looking to celebrate as we find needs around us in the community, in the world. Another thing we're doing that I just got to, I checked through the task force, that's my oversight committee, just so you know I'm not, woohoo, out of control, I got some oversight. And uh, so we checked through them and we're going to be supporting, as a group, as Jubilee, we're going to be supporting Rebecca Dugan, who was here among us for months and months, and then we sent her off to Uganda, and we are going to be supporting her for her living expenses. So $200 a month, we're going to give and help her out in that. And that's really awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So we are selfishly hoping she comes back to us at some point, because we think she's so awesome. Yeah, so... Okay, so is the family. Not as much as me, though. No. And that's exciting. We're celebrating that. We're also celebrating people. We celebrate people and uh, the number of people coming and joining in and saying, you know what, this community feels like a place that I belong and a place I want to be serving and giving and participating and finding where I fit, where's my place as, as we're walking along together doing that journey. And that's really exciting to me. We celebrate that, that there's so many people jumping in and participating in so many ways. Um, I need to thank uh, C2C. So if you don't know who C2C is, who we write our checks to. (laughs) So I was like, oh, who's this check to anyway? C2C is our church planting network. So that's when we weren't sure how any of this was going to be. And we felt that call that God was leading us. C2C was the group that we went to and we said, so how would we do this? Is this something we can do? Something you think we should do? And they helped us, and they supported us. So they've done that through investment, through finances. They pay part of my salary, most of my salary. And uh, right now, that's part of what they're doing. And they also give coaching and help. And they, like, I meet with them regularly. They're part of our task force, our oversight. And so I want to make sure that we're, that you know who that is. And when we talk about C2C, that's who we're talking about. We want to thank them. Um, And we need to thank Maple Ridge Community Church. So... Most churches, let me tell you if you don't know this, most churches are not okay sending their associate pastor down the street to start another church. Most churches aren't okay with that. They would say, no, 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 you need to go to a different town if you're going to do anything like that, because we don't want you possibly taking people away from us. However, Maple Ridge Community Church, Pastor Dwayne, as a leadership, and as a leadership, their elder board said, we believe in a kingdom model of church. So Dwayne said to me, I, "I will you please stay here? Don't go to another town. Please plant a church in Maple Ridge. And so we did. And they gave their best. I can say that here. I don't say that there. I say they gave their best. We took their best. This is awesome. And you know what? And so I need to thank them and say that we're we we are here because of them because they gave and they cared and they had that kingdom view of what church could be like and so I um, want to thank them. This month we're talking about church life. That's our series, church life. And so my first sermon last week was called "This is not a cruise." This is not a cruise or cruise ship. And I could have titled it "This is not about you," but I titled it "This is not a cruise ship." Today we're talking about jubilee living. Next week, we're going to talk about community, building community, community connection, and our last week of September, we're going to talk about the generous life. What does it look like to live a generous and open-hearted life? Um, So my passage this morning, there were lots of passages, because when we talk about Jubilee, go back one. Josh, you jumped ahead. Jubilee, see the tree and our logo? That's like, it's all connected to what I'm going to be talking about, but There are so many verses and passages that as we prayed and we thought about our name and who we are and what do we look like, that we could talk about. And one that's come up more recently, it wasn't in the initial praying and planning, was Jeremiah chapter 17. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 to 8. This is what it says. It says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. And my big idea this morning is that Jubilee Living is about experiencing a free life in Jesus and proclaiming it to a lost world. It's about experiencing something yourself and then proclaiming it and sharing it with a world that is in need. Our first value that uh, fits this it would be the redemptive news. We distilled our values into three things. I had like 15 to start with, but we put them all under three so you could remember them if you wanted to remember what we care about as a group. The first one is the redemptive news. I don't know if you've met Rose, Rose Yaloica. I don't know if Rose is here yet or here this morning or not. But if you haven't, she's not. Okay, that's good because I'm going to talk about her. If you haven't met Rose, you really need to meet Rose. She is so awesome. We met Rose through Alpha when we were at Maple Ridge Community Church. Now Alpha is a, it's like a course people take to when they're investigating Christianity. They want to find out more. They want to talk about questions in kind of a, a no pressure environment. It's just really fun, and you connect with people and you get to talk about stuff and hear videos. It's really a neat program or course. And so we met Rose through this course. And um, she had what she shared in her baptism, which um, she was a part of, was that she had an, uh, an abusive upbringing and a really dysfunctional home, and she survived out of that, but she ended up um, struggling with an alcohol addiction. And so she battled that for years, and she's been on the winning side of that for many years and part of uh, groups helping out, helping other people in that. And um, as Rose was at Alpha, attending Alpha, she encountered Jesus. She had an encounter with the living God, and her life was radically transformed. And the first time I met her husband, he came to the church gathering, and he came up to me after, and he said, I don't know if I believe all—he'll tell you this— I don't know if I believe all this stuff, but— Man, I had to come and find out what happened to Rose. Because she was different. She's different. This is the story we're telling about a redemptive God. About a God who can take any circumstance. It doesn't matter how bad it was or how horrible it was or how horrible it is. Your past or your present. The promises, Jesus' promise, is that he can take whatever it is and he can make good come out of it. Somehow, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. And that's the story we're telling. See, we're broken. We're broken people. Um, I was talking to my brother this week, and we were talking about uh, he just had a new baby, and already he feels like a bad parent. And so I said, after he'd shared a whole bunch, I said, well, welcome to parenting. That's just one of the things we deal with as parents. And he's confronted with his ideals being shattered and, you know, uh, what we already know, that we're not perfect. And when you get into parenting, if you didn't know that before, you sure know it once you become a parent. You're not perfect, and you're never going to (laughs) be. See, I don't have confidence in me. I don't have confidence in me. Maybe I did at some point in my life, but I don't anymore. Because I know that as hard as I try, as much as I can make it all seem like it's working, it all comes apart. The wheels come off. This week, the wheels came off. We were under pressure, and I lost my temper at home. I lost my temper with Lauren. And she actually was like, you're being really, you really have a problem right now. And I had to go for a walk around the block. And as I walked around the block, I wasn't going to walk by the Kaiser's house because I was like, I don't want them to see me walking around the block, and the steam coming out of my ears. But you know what? As I walked, I was like, I'm a mess. Man, I, I can't do this. This is so hard. You get under pressure, man, things happen that you've you, you got to make right again. This is all of our problem, all of our situation. Romans 3, 11 to 12 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. But I was doing good yesterday before the wheels came off. This is why we're not celebrating how awesome we are. We're not celebrating how awesome we are. We're celebrating how awesome God is. And you, I think we all know this. Even if we could make the argument, if we were sitting around the the pub table, and we could argue back and forth, you know, are we good, are we bad? What's, what's going on? I think all of us know. We just have to look around the world. What a mess we've made of it. What a mess you or I have made in public or in private or in our own hearts. How we've failed ourselves and we've failed God. We've loved the very things that would destroy us. We've loved the very things that would destroy us. there's good news. Jeremiah says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. The good news message we're shouting, we're proclaiming, that we're telling everyone about is this, that it doesn't matter how messed up you are or that you've been. Because this is not the measure of your acceptance with God, how good or bad you've been. is not the measure for your acceptance with God. It's an awesome thing. So it's good news. It's good news for alcoholics and for the divorced and for the young single moms and for the widowed old men, for the image obsessed women and the porn addicted men, for the proud and the shamed, for the gossips and the lonely and the guys who lose their temper. For you and for me, this is good news. Romans 3:23:25 says this: "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely. All have sinned, and all are justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ. This is the good news. God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So my confidence isn't in me or my ability to be so awesome. My confidence is in Jesus, in the work he did at the cross to set me free. Because he died on the cross, I get to enter into the free life. I get to walk in and I'm accepted by God because of Jesus. So my confidence isn't in how good I am, but in how good God is. And my confidence isn't in how much I can love people. It's in how much God loves. And my confidence isn't in how well I can hold on to God. Oh, I really hope I can do that. It's in how well he can hold on to me. So whatever your story, whatever your past, whatever your present, there is hope in Jesus. That's the promise. And that's what we're proclaiming with joy to everyone. This is the good news story. And so we expect to see our community grow as broken people are set free in Jesus. Secondly, we value the relational journey. If you haven't met Jeremy Dagg, you should. Jeremy didn't know I was going to share about him. If you haven't met Jeremy, you should. You know what? I met Jeremy when we were in on the soccer field. I coached his son Nathan and he was on Elijah's soccer team and so it was like the parents in passing, you know, when I'd yell at the parents. He was a good soccer parent, though. And, but sometimes i yell at the parents and, uh, you know, yell at the kids. And, you know, we have a great time. But uh, for, so for a few years, I mean, well, I had fun yelling at them. And so for a few years, well, I was their soccer coach. And after th- I mean, it was three or four years we were together, um, we started Jubilee. And so we thought we were going to invite these people to our launch because we were just going to invite everyone we knew to launch. And so... Um, so I passed out the invitation, and little did I know when I gave out the invitations that they would be a family who would come and join into our community, and here they are. They're part of the community. Yeah, it's exciting. We celebrate that. Now, what I didn't know was that over the many years um, that God was working in Jeremy's life, and God, by his spirit, was drawing Jeremy ever since he was a young guy. And he shared his part of his testimony uh, at the baptism about his journey. And his family didn't know God at all. Wasn't from a Christian home. And then, slowly, God kept drawing him and putting people in his life. And he started listening to podcasts and hearing this message and coming to believe that it was true. And God transformed him. And then when I gave him that invitation, that was like the final little catalyst to him coming and bringing his family to join into church community. That's an awesome journey. I'd love if I could take credit for all of it, but I can't. That was God. That's God in the journey. And this is part of what we're telling, the story we're telling, is that it's a journey. We're on a journey. And everyone's journey is going to look a little bit different. We're on a journey with God. In our relationship with him, and what does that look like? We're also on a journey with each other. And that's part of what we care about here, is that journey together. Now, my house, I got a new roof. Recently, I talked about it, so many of you know that. Especially my neighbors know that, as they look. I'm not growing a green roof anymore. It had six-inch thick moss on it. It was green. It was good for the environment. Just not for my house. Or my neighbor's. (laughs) aesthetic appeal. Anyways, so we got a new roof. It looks really good. But I'm also noticing now that I basically live in a grove of trees. And all these trees are all around my house. And we had an arborist come and he was looking at the trees and he was like, there's a lot of big trees here. Like this, I mean, it's a 1930 farmhouse from the area. So it was there and the trees were there and the rest of the neighborhood grew up around it. So I'm looking at these trees and it's like, these are not new trees. These are old growth trees. These are like big trees. Shady. They've got, like, deep roots that have wrecked my driveway. And, you know, big, long tree branches that have grown up and they're overshadowing my new roof and need to be trimmed. But trees, this is the, these are, like, big, huge, incredible things. And this is the picture that Jeremiah gives us when he says, they are like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Jeremiah says, this is what a life looks like that trusts in God. It's like a tree that's rooted, that's planted, that's growing its roots out by the stream. And in the summer, we talked about um, how Jesus claims to be the vine. He says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches, and you're gonna you need to remain in me, abide in me, make your home in me. And we talked about this very picture that when we abide, when we make our home in Jesus, it's like we become those trees that are rooted and planted. How do you become rooted and planted? How do you do that? How do you become rooted and planted? People say, you know, well, are you saying this? Abide, abide, or rest, or how, what, what does that mean? So if I was going to practically tell you what does it mean to plant your tree and put out your roots, it would look like this. Firstly, it would look like surrender. And surrender means, if we use that word on the battlefield, it would mean that you said, I don't think I can win this. And I'm going to lay down my flag. And surrender to God means you say, I I don't think I can win this on my own. This is a long road, and I don't think I can do it myself. I'm going to need to say, I surrender to you. I'm going to surrender control. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to say, I can't do it myself. I need you. I need you to help me. And secondly, it's to say that I'm going to follow you. I'm not just going to surrender in one moment, but I'm going to say I'm going to follow you on a journey, on a road. That means that daily I'm going to surrender. And over the long haul, I know I'm going to be transformed slowly and surely as we go along that road. And we do that by inviting his spirit to come and live in us. I say, I surrender. I can't do this. I need you to come. Will you come and live in me? And God says by his spirit, he comes and lives in us and transforms us. It's a miracle. So how do we journey together? We journey with God and we journey together. How do we do this? They say that um, this very same tree, if you planted it on the hill by itself, the same roots going out, the same branches, the same height, all by itself alone on the hill, that tree will be weaker and more vulnerable than the tree, that very same tree, put in the forest, surrounded by other trees. And the reason is because the tree exposed gets all the wind all the storm and all the rain and all the erosion that it has to deal with by itself, but a tree that's in a root system with all a bunch of trees protecting and covering each other there's a strength to that, and that very same picture applies to us and to this picture of the tree that is we're planted together in a in a root system in a church community where we're growing and we're helping and encouraging one another that there's strength there for us. Paul says this in Romans twelve 4-5 to five, he says for just as each of us has one body with many members or parts and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others paul doesn't use the forest picture he uses the body picture he says it's the same thing you, your hand can't just be by itself it needs to be connected to the source of life and also to the rest of the body for it to function 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, Paul says to the church, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You're a part of it. If you're a part of the church, you're a part of it. You have a place. You have a role. You have a gift that needs to be a part of this somehow. And so we value doing this together. We say, let's do it together then. If that's how we're meant to do it, then let's encourage one another in doing it together. I went to uh, a party last weekend. Um, It was a a school kickoff party that um, some parents we know were having. And so we went and hung out with a whole bunch of people at this long table. And it was really neat. The kids ate first and then we ate like big plate of ribs and big plate of steak and super yummy. And at one point during the the evening, the hostess, uh, awesome lady, she leaned over and she said to me, I'm not a religious person. And I said, uh, it's okay, I'm not either. And then she always looked like, not she, everyone, whenever I say that, they look at me funny, but she looked at me and said, well, I, I'm not a religious person. I don't totally believe you, but... And then she said, but I am a spiritual person, and I, I'm not part of, you know, organized religion, but I know that I need community for my kids, for my family, and so I'm trying to make that community. So she says, this is it. This table and these people, these families... You're like my community. Now, it's interesting hearing someone recognize that it's hard. You, you try to raise your family out there by yourself. It's like, man, that's hard. Like we need help. We need each other. And here's someone expressing that very thing. We need community. Everyone needs it somehow, somewhere. And we value building and doing community together. Now, what does that look like? Building real community is actually really hard. And I think if we were going to use the picture of the tree, it would mean stay, staying put. How do you build roots? How does the tree build roots? Well, I'm going to uproot. I'm going to move it over to this part. Oh, no, it does not get good sun over there. I'm going to uproot. I'm going to put it over here. Yeah, this is a good spot for my tree. Oh, no, wait. I'm going to move it over here. This is better. I have more sunlight over here. And every time I rip that tree to the ground, what happens? I, I take some roots with me, but I'm also cutting off a whole bunch. How do you put down your roots send out your roots, you stay. You don't go. You stay. That's how you grow roots. Slowly and surely over time. Inch by inch. So when you come and you join into a community, you're like, oh, this is really hard. Stay. Stay. Stay through the frustration. Stay through the conflict. We won't have any here, but don't worry. You know, I'm talking about other people. Staying through disappointment. Staying. This is how we journey together is we keep going. I was telling my brother about that party and how fun it was and how great and how awesome. And I, like I totally was idealizing it. The ribs were so good and the steak and the people and it was so great. And then my brother said to me, but it wouldn't be that way if you did it every week, would it? And I was like, yeah, that be so awesome. This should be like community group. We just have ribs. <laughs> like ribs, that should be our community groups. And he was like, you know what? I think if you did that every week, it wouldn't be like that. He said it wouldn't take many weeks before someone says something that hurts you or offends you. It wouldn't be long before those people are better friends and suddenly they're talking a lot and you feel kind of left out. Or it wouldn't be long before someone is doing something midweek together and you didn't get invited. And suddenly you're like, man, that hurts. And the challenge of real community is... You have to keep going through that. You have to talk and communicate and work through those things to get to the other side where there's something rich and deep and the roots go out and there's water for you. Building roots takes perseverance. We expect to see our community thrive as we learn to follow together. Thirdly, our our third value is the outward mission. There's someone else I think you should meet. If you haven't met Joe, Joe Broder yet, you should meet him. He is one of the most enthusiastic people that I know. Every time he comes in that door, he is like bounding, bounding. I wish more of you were bounder, bounders and bounded in the door. Now, usually he's wondering when Jubilee Kids is going to start. That's, his, that's what he loves. He loves music. And we met Joe actually in kids' camp. And uh, he was one of our most enthusiastic singers and dancers that we had. He just, he knew all the actions, he knew all the words, and he was a very vocal singer, beautiful. And uh, so we got to Friday, and he was crushed that Kids Camp was going to end. And so we, told, we talked to his family, and we said, well, we, we meet on Sunday too. And so Joe talked his family, maybe, <laughs> into, <laughs> they're over here, into coming back on Sunday. And, uh, and they've been here all summer. Still, he loves Jubilee Kids. If, if you haven't met Joe, you should. My hope and my prayer is that we as a group are not so weird that they can't come and find belonging and connection here and that Joe can't enjoy music up in Jubilee Kids. This is what we're about. We're about reaching out and being a blessing to everyone around us if we can. To our community, to our neighborhoods, this is our hope. This is what we're about. Now, Jeremiah says of the tree, it doesn't fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. And when I read that, its leaves are always green, right away I feel this pressure, this sense of like, oh, its leaves are always green. Oh, that's not really me. Are my leaves always green? Like I had a bad orange leaf spell there for a while and my leaves kind of got dry there. I think they were pretty dry. They kind of started falling off, and they weren't green, and I feel this stress almost. And I think what, what you and I need to remind each other of is that the picture of the always green tree, the evergreen, is a picture of a tree that we are becoming. We are becoming that tree. I hope that day by day I'm becoming more and more a tree whose leaves are always green. And yet I know that today that's not true. I'm on that journey, but I still have lots of days where my leaves don't look very green. And maybe you feel the same. And the journey we're on together is that um, that we're hoping people will see the transformation, not the final product. Oh, look at me. I'm perfect. Yeah, come and be part of the perfect church. No, it's the transformation. It's that journey. Come and join people who are being transformed. And that final picture is a picture of beauty, of a tree that is rooted, and it's growing green leaves all the time, and it's beautiful. Our kids um, go to the public school. And uh, when our, first, our kids first got to the age to go to school, to be in the education system, we prayed about our options. And for us, there was the public school, that was an option. And there was a, we have a great Christian school in town, so that was an option. And we know people who are connected to that. And we're like, okay, that's a great school. And we also knew there's a great homeschooling population in Maple Ridge. So we knew that was a, that's a great option as well. So we were praying and we were like, God, what, what do you want for us to do? We have these kids and maybe more coming. And we, don't, we need to know where to be. And actually, every year we pray about where we're meant to be, where we're called to be. And uh, we think it's, it's important that you keep asking God, are we where we're supposed to be? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And as we did that, as we felt we were led to put our kids in the public school, we, would, we did it with great trepidation because we'd heard all the horrible stories about, oh, it's so scary. And so we, we did that, and we pray with them. We pray over them. We also, as we send them in there, we talk about what it looks like to be people in exile. We believe that as we send them into the public school, that they are the minority, that what they believe isn't shared by everyone else. That their values and their worldview is not the same as everyone else. And so as we send them in there, we say, we explain that to them. We help them understand. You're going into a place where people don't share your worldview. And as they've gone in there, not every day, but many days, they've been a light. They've shone. We had one teacher who said, at, uh, we sat down at our parent-teacher interview and they said, our Conflict resolution policy in our class has changed. It's now become what would Elijah do? <laughs> That's what we say to the kids. And I was like, You're joking, right? <laughs> like, is this a joke? Like, the kid who's at my house, I don't ask him what he would do. <laughs> I've seen this kid at my house. She says, No, he, because of what the light he brings. Now, Elijah is not perfect. None of my kids are perfect, but they are a light. And the same question I, I would say to you, if I was in my job, in your job, wherever you are, or your place, where you're supposed to be, would people say that about you? Oh, yeah, we, we would do things like the way that person would do it because they're so different. They shine. That's the, that's the picture we would have, we would want. Matthew five fourteen, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine. We say, oh, don't tell those stories. Don't talk about, you know, when people see that light in you. Yeah, he says, let your light shine before others. I hope those stories happen more and more and more, where people say, wow, yeah, you're different. Wow, yeah, you're different. Yeah, and you in that neighborhood, that house is different. Those people, how they love and how they treat us is different. In the same way that light is unmistakable, so is fruit. Fruit is unmistakable. And that's the picture on the tree. It says it has no worries. The tree has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. See, fruit tells the story. When we talk about outward mission, we talk about people seeing us. Lots of Christian people who grew up in the church are thinking about taking your Bible and going and doing something with your Bible. Maybe. That's what we think about often we think about evangelism, that word, or outward mission is like, okay, we're going to go out on the street and maybe we hit a few people with our Bible. That's not the picture. The picture is you're growing fruit that the world needs to taste and see and experience. And the fruit doesn't lie. Jesus says, beware of false prophets for who come to you in sheep's clothes, but are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes, gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Healthy trees grow healthy fruit. Disease trees grow diseased fruit. You can't hide it. You can't fake it. It's there. It's real. And we were set free to proclaim freedom. We are being set free to proclaim freedom to people, to walk with people into freedom. That's the picture for us. And the fruit of our lives and the fruit of our church As a community, will be tasted and seen. Fruit like love and joy and peace and patience. Don't want that one on the list. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Man, I want to see that in my life. I want to see that in our community. That as people come or we go out, that people would say, wow, that Jubilee community, now they have a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of goodness. That would be beautiful. Now we grow that fruit by trusting in Jesus. As we are planted, that he's going to grow that fruit in our lives by his spirit. The last thing I would say is that we're offering to the world something And if we offered love to the world in place of fear, I think that would be a pretty compelling um, opportunity for people. If we said, we we want to offer you love in place of fear. Instead of fear, instead of living afraid. Without worry, without anxiety. That we could be confident and rooted and trusting. I used to think that when we went to heaven, God was going to make us perfect in the sense of we would all be exactly the same. So there'd be all these perfect people running around heaven. Hey, I'm perfect. How are you? Yes, I'm so perfect. Yeah, nice to see you, perfect Brian. Yes, nice to see you, perfect Dwayne. Oh, yeah, I'm perfect Jonathan. Oh, so awesome. And I'd be like, that sounds kind of lame. Like a bunch of perfect goody-goodies running around heaven. Like, uh. But I don't think that we're not a bunch of, I don't think we're going to heaven be like perfect zombies or something. When we get to heaven, we are going to be the most us we could be, the most unique versions of ourselves that God made us to be because we will be perfectly set free, set free of our fear, of our jealousy, of our competition, of our comparison, of our shame. All the things that hold us back from who we are, who God made us to be in heaven, we get to express those things beautifully. So I get to enjoy all the great things about Brian without feeling threatened by him. And he gets to enjoy all the great things about Jonathan without feeling threatened by me. And actually, that makes heaven this beautiful picture. Wow, actually, that would be really fun and awesome and how different and how weird and what a variety there would be. And the same picture is for us as a church as we go forward. We are on that same journey of becoming ourselves in Jesus. As we are set free by Jesus, we become more who we were made to be. It's this beautiful thing. We get to Experience. (laughs) So we expect to see our community find purpose as we share God's love. So, in conclusion, Jubilee Living is about experiencing the free life in Jesus and proclaiming it to a lost world. We care about the redemptive news, we celebrate redemption, God's ability to transform us from who we were or who we are into who we're becoming. And that he can do that for any person in any situation. There's hope. Secondly, we care about the relational journey. That we're on a journey with God. And we're also on a journey with each other. And that's different for every person where they are on that journey. But we want to walk together in our journey with God. And our journey with each other. And our challenge is to stay. And to grow roots. And to develop real and lasting relationship. And thirdly, we care about the outward mission we're not just growing fruit in an orchard with a wall. We are growing fruit to be tasted and seen by a world that is hungry and thirsty for something that will satisfy. And so our mandate is not to just stay gathered but to go out into the places God's called us to be and to be a light and to be fruit for people to taste and see. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that um, your promises are promises of hope. They're promises that um, no matter where we are, no matter how broken we are, or how um, in despair we could be, or how, what a mess we've made of things, that your promises that you can make it good, that you can come and you can transform any life. You can come and bring hope and healing to any heart. And so, Lord, I ask that you come and do that this morning. Jesus, I thank you, too, that you've called us not just to go off and walk on some kind of religious road by ourselves, some pious journey, but that you called us to come and to be together as a community, that we could walk with and encourage each other through real situations, our real life, our real journey, and that we could experience you and each other through walking together. Jesus, I pray that um, you would continue to confirm in people's hearts the, the people who are meant to come and be part of our community, Lord, that you would confirm to them that this is where they're called to be. And that as they step in, as they begin to invest, as they begin to risk by putting themselves out, Lord, that you would come and you'd meet us and you'd bring us together. And Jesus, I thank you too that we're not, um, we're not way out in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of a neighborhood. You put us gathering in this school and you've placed each one of us in a different um, circle of influence in our neighborhood or our school or our job or wherever we're called to be. I thank you that you, you called us to be there as a light, as, a, as fruit growing in places where people are hungry so they can taste and see that you're good and they can come and walk into relationship with you. Lord, would you do this? Would you cause us to grow and be a church that um, would please your heart in how we walk together, in how we do things? We say we love you, God. Amen.